Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. What's up? What's up? Love God? Okay, four of y'all love others. That's fine. Hey, is everyone still passing college, right? Can I ask you that in four weeks? Hey, did Jesus work any miracles last semester for some of y'all? Isn't he good? Nothing like when Jesus shows up for grades. Like, I was just like an extra, like, holy, like, oh, I'm still here, guys, right? Like, I love you. Um, man, I'm excited to be here. You know, y'all are just a little extra holy for coming on weather like this. Amen. Pat yourself on the back. Like, I love Jesus. Okay. Or I really want a girlfriend, right? Like one of the two. Just kidding. Let's pray. Father, we already know that you are here and we are excited uh, just about your presence. We are excited uh, just in this world of chaos and commotion, Lord, that we are able to come to this room and we know that your presence is here and we know that we can have an encounter with you. And Lord, I just ask for tonight, let us just be able to uh, uh, just be able to dive into your word. Let us learn just a little bit more about your word and let us be able to apply your word in such a way that it affects us, but it also infects others when we be able to live your word and be able to breathe your word and be able to talk about your word to other people. Lord, let us not just be uh, hearers of your word tonight, but let us be doers of your word tonight. Lord, just uh, let us void out any distractions. Let us not think about anything that is due. Let us not think about any hurt or anything outside of these doors for just these few moments. Let us just be able to dive into your word and be able to just feel your presence in a true and mighty way, for it is in your name. Amen. Man, do you ever just sit back and think, like, man, am I doing this life right? Like, I mean, does is, is anybody, like, ever really sit back and be like, man, like, like, am I doing life right? You know, Sunday was a, was a pretty shocking day for many of us and for many across the world when we saw the famous superstar Kobe Bryant and his daughter taken from us in a tragic a helicopter crash, and I, I think that when something like that happens, I think that it is most of the time, I think usually for us Christians, the first question is, well, what, was he saved, right? I think that, that, that probably crosses our mind, um, and, and I hope and I pray that he stood before Jesus and he was able to say, man, his grace was even sufficient for me. Like, that, that's my prayer. I, I truly hope that. I truly hope everyone on that plane was saved. But also I think that when something tragic like that happens, I think we can also look at our life and say, you know what, like, well, what if that were to happen to me? And, and, and what if, like, what a, you know, then you start to prioritize things in your life, and you're able to say, well, you know, I worry about all this, but really, like, I really need to be focusing about this, and, like, it really makes you think about your own life, and you're like, man, like, I just really sat there on Sunday in shock, and I was just like, man, it really made me think, like, man, am, am I doing this life right? You know, for a lot of us, you know, I think that we go from motion to motion, and I think that we go through this 
motion of life and we just are surviving in life. And you know what I really love about this world? You want to know one of the greatest creations I think this world created was, was college, right? Anyone with me, right? Oh man, so great. It's so wonderful, right? Let's get a bunch of teenagers, right, who are not fully developed yet. Let's just be honest, all right? You're not fully developed yet, and, and your, your minds and your hormones are like on two different levels, and they can't like, like interact with each other just right. Like, come on now, like some of us fellas, our voice didn't even change like two years ago, all right? I was 5'6 at 16, all right? I'm like 6'4 now. Like, I grew like six inches in one summer. Like, my voice didn't change till I was 16. Embarrassing, all right? I feel for you, all right? Like, I feel for those guys that are late bloomers. I tell them to hang on. I say, but maybe you'll be 6'4 someday, all right? I don't even know where I was getting with that. Come on now. College, there we go. Let's put all these teenagers together that are not necessarily fully developed in their mind just yet, and let's put them in this incubation tube called college, right? And let's tell them something. Hey, guess what? You got four years. You got four years to pick out the plan for the rest of your life, all right? That stress, amen, right? Oh, let's just add a little side note. If you don't do it right, you're going to fail college and your life is going to be miserable, A, right? But if you choose the wrong thing, like your life is going to be miserable as well. Like, like that's just like horrible, right? It's just like so much pressure to be put on so many college students. It's genius, right? Genius. Students, their college might have some disadvantages. I, I really do. I, I don't know if I was necessarily ready for college that first year was a year where I had to learn how to learn, all right? I went to Podunkville, Oklahoma, like high school. Like, if I knew my ABCs, I passed, right? When I went to college, it was like, bro, I don't, I don't know how to even study. Anybody with me, right? Geniuses, great. There are some disadvantages to college, but I also think there are some advantages because one of the advantages is that it allows me to be able to meet y'all at a very critical point in your life. And my job is to help you along to the next chapter because these are not only hard years, they are very hard years at this point, but I also think that these are very crucial growing years for you because a lot of us, this is the first time in your lives where you're making decisions for you, right? Whenever you wake up, you're making a decision when you wake up, you're making a decision of when you go to bed, you're making decisions of what you're doing on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you're making decisions on whether you're going to do homework or not, you're going to make decisions on what clothes you wear or what clothes you don't wear. Come on, let's just be honest, right? Isn't it crazy how just in this world, I don't know if this is no you thing or not, but like the girls' clothes are getting baggier and the guys' clothes are getting tighter, right? <laughs> Like, when we order sweatshirts, we, we sell out of, like, large and extra large and double XL, not because of the guys. It's because our girls are wearing, like, they're wearing, like, double X down to their shins, like, and they're, they're like a buck 20. Like, we're like, what in the world is going on here? We sell out the mediums because of the fellas. Like, they, like, they just want to show their guns off. Like, and I started thinking about that. I was like, man, you know what? I think our girls are just holy. 
I really do. I think our girls are just holy because they're like, you don't fall in love with me for my body. You fall in love with me for me, right? You need to get to know who I am and whose I am. Amen. Uh-uh. Guys are just like, just fall in love with me. Here's, here's what you got. I got my skinny jeans on. Look at my booty. You want to bounce a quarter off of it? Like, you're just like, oh, that doesn't do it for you? Okay, let me go put on my shorty shorts, right? My goodness, guys, come on. When is shorts, I mean, like, my, my boxer briefs are longer than your shorts. Like, it's embarrassing. Like, if if everybody's commenting on how short your shorts are, it's, it's, it's not a good thing, all right? Listen, you don't see us big boys in shorty shorts, all right? It's always the skinny guys with twigs. Like, us big boys don't be wearing those shorty shorts because we got quads, and they rub together, and it ain't, and you don't want us walking around like this, you know what I'm saying? I don't know why I said that. Come on, man. Dear Jesus, be with us tonight. College. <laughs> this is what I really like about our time in college. Is this is the first time that you make your own faith between you and Jesus. It's not your parents' faith. No one's telling you to read your Bible. No one's telling you to go to church. No one's telling you to get into a small group. No one's telling you that you need to be discipled. You are your own person, and what type of faith you have in Jesus is not up to your mommy and daddy. It's up to you. Now let me tell you a little something about tonight. Let me tell you a little something that's going to save you a lot of tears, a lot of pain, a lot of discouragement. As I think, and a lot of really heartache and confusion is simply this. If you can learn during these critical times of your life how to fight right, then it's going to save you so much, so much pain and agony later on in your life. Because if you don't learn how to fight right, then you're going to learn that what I've seen so many times is people get burnt out, people get stuck, people lose their faith because they don't know how to fight for God. They don't know how to fight for their faith. They don't know how to fight right in this world of chaos. What we're going to see today is simply this. As Paul is urging Timothy and his followers to evaluate their faith in order to be able to see if they are fighting right. And he wanted to be able to kind of guide them and show them and prioritize things on how to fight right because of this, students, because how you fight determines how much faith that you have. So students, can we just evaluate, like, how do I make sure that what I'm fighting right is right? How do I make sure that I am fighting right? Let's go ahead and look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verses 11, it's titled, Fighting the Good Fight of Faith. This is Paul speaking. He says, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all 
and to Christ Jesus who is in the testimony before Pontius Pilate that made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of Lord Jesus Christ, which He will display at the proper time. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lords of lords, who alone has immorality, immortality, who dwells in an unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To Him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. See, Paul is writing to Timothy here. And he's talking to him about a couple subjects more in the beginning part of chapter 6 and in and early chapters. And he's kind of just talking about them. Uh, he's writing a letter to the church and he's writing them a couple, uh, a, a couple big statements in chapters 1 through 4. And he's talking about some of the qualifications that are needed for leadership. He's talking about a little bit of church order. And then he's kind of shifting his goal into more of a personal approach. And it's a little bit of discipleship between, uh, between him and his protege, Timothy. And he's making sure that Timothy is still encouraged, and he's making sure that he is still teachable in his walk and building up of God's church. But then what we see is Paul shifts away from the responsibilities of the church to something to all of the people. He's going beyond just discipleship of Timothy, and he's starting to talk to the church as a whole. He's starting to say, if you are a follower of Christ, he encourages them to fight the good fight. Students, this is where we are at today, and I think that it is very important for us to learn how do we fight the good fight of faith? And I think if we can just kind of break down this text, I think it'll help us walk. And I, I think it's huge for you, especially in the start of, of the new world, in the next chapter of your life. I think that this is so vital. So how do we fight the good fight of faith? I think verse 1 it says here, but you, O man of God, what does he say then? He says, flee. We need to learn how to flee. Here Paul is leaning in on some of his Pauline wisdom here. And he's leaning into Timothy and he's leaning into the church and he's saying, we got to learn how to flee. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm one of those people that like... Like when people like me, they like me, right? They, they like me and we click and all is hunky-dory and we can hang out and all is good and all is right in the world. But I'm also one of those people that people just like to hate. Like anybody with me? Like I'd look at someone like just wrong and like, oh, they hate me. Like they just like, they just think, I, I don't know, I guess I just have like a mean looking face. I have a mean looking face, be honest, right? It's a kind, gentle face, isn't it? Right? My mom always said I was a little angel. Right? But anyways, I don't know what happened uh, in junior high, but there was one day, I don't remember the encounter, but there was one day where the school bully, Michael Leon, all right, he had a problem with me. And all day, he started off in the morning, all day he was telling everybody, I'm going to fight Brent Russell after this. And all my friends walked up to me, and we're all like, like allies. Like they're like Brent, like Russ. Like they always called me Russ. They're like, Russ, dude, Michael Leon wants to beat you up. And like I peed a little bit. Like I was just like, 
oh, I was like, what am I going to do? They're like, I don't know, but he wants to meet you after school, and like, he wants to fight you. Now listen, a little side note here, the week before that, 7th grader Michael Leon beat up a 10th grader, and I watched him beat his face in, and like, I am terrified of Michael Leon, all right? And like, I'm like, like, I'm going to get pummeled, like, there's no chance, and like, I remember at the, uh, at the end of the day, it was last hour, I knew where my class was, and I knew where his class was, right? And like, it was just like one of those TikTok videos, like, it's like I could see the, the clock ticking down, and then it's like it hits, it hits the ringer, right? And it's like, duh, 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 run, right? And like, I grabbed my bag, and bro, like, I was bolting, like, I went around the school, I went to like the, the football field because I had football practice. Now, I don't know who told him to this day, um, but they told him that I was playing football. Now, luckily, it was a little bit bigger of a school. This was before I went to, to Oklahoma. Uh, it was a little bit bigger of a school, so we had like 80 to 100 football players out there. We all had the same jersey on. We all had the same helmet on. And I was able to, like when Michael, I saw Michael and his posse, all right, Michael looked like he was about 32 years old as a seventh grader. When I saw him, man, he was coming out there and he was mad. And like, I remember positioning myself behind like the biggest lineman. And like, every time Michael would move, I would move. And like, like, like every time he would try to look, brother couldn't find me. All right. Like, he got frustrated and he walked away. And I'm like, I ain't fighting that dude. Like, there's no chance that I'm ever going to fight him. And like, I was scared. I was hiding. I ran away. Like, I ran away out of, out of football practice. Like, oh my gosh. Like, terrified. Now, I don't know if you know this, students, but there are some fights that the best way for you to win is to flee. Because if you were to enter that fight, it probably would not end so well for you. Paul here in this chapter, he highlights a couple things beginning in, in, in chapter 6, and I'm not going to read the text, but I want to kind of cliff note it, since y'all are so good at cliff notes, amen, hallelujah, is that he highlights a couple things that, that this church needed to be able to be aware of and that they needed to flee from. And so if we can just kind of look at what Paul was telling them at their time and in their situation, he talks about that one of the things that they need to flee from are those who are false teachers of the Word of God. Essentially what he says is that these people, they're puffed up with pride. They are people that show evil. They are people that like to quarrel. He says don't even bother with them because their life produces nothing but friction for them and everyone else. Their whole life is to make other people's life crazy. He says just don't even bother with them because guess what? No matter what you say, you cannot change them. Guys, you cannot go to Campus Corner and tell the fire and brimstone guy who yells all the time that he needs Jesus. You ain't going to change him, all right? He wants you to come and talk to him. He wants you to go and quarrel with him because he wants to create chaos. He doesn't talk about Jesus and the love of Jesus and how Jesus came and died for you and loves you and wants to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Paul says, flee from it. It's not worth your time to go and quarrel. But then he says something that 
Jesus had even mentioned many times in his own sermon was simply this, money. He says in verse 9, but those who desire to be rich, they fall into temptation, they fall into a snare, they fall into a trap, and into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Students, let me just be honest with you, in, in, in my walk of life, there have been very few things that have done as much damage to families, to churches, to relationships, to, to just about anything in this world than the desire for money. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through the craving that some have wandered away from their faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. This is why money can be dangerous for us students. And if you can have this mindset before we even start this life, it's simply this. Because money in this world can be a very good false god. That's the, that's the God's honest truth. Is Money can be a very good false god where Jesus should be the God in your life. And see, the devil knows that. And everybody thinks that the devil is wanting to make you poor and broke and fragile and lonely and, and separate you from everybody and, and, and make your life miserable. Have you ever thought about for, this, for a second that the devil does not fight fair? Maybe his goal is to make you rich and to make you have many things and, and to let you always be able to have money that you can fall back on so you won't ever need Jesus. He doesn't fight fair. See, Paul knows that we are fighting spiritual forces in this world that if we try to fight them alone, we're most definitely going to lose. And he says, run. Don't let the love of money control you. The trap that has been set, students, when you... Is, is when this is when you think that you need more uh, that you need money more than you need Jesus. See, so has been snared when you feel safer with money in your bank account than the Savior that is in your soul. You have been caught when money becomes your identity and it's not considered a blessing from God. Students, since you are still in college, I'm going to assume that a lot of y'all don't have money yet. Amen. Right. You're like, I got like negative $18 in the bank right now, right? But I'm buying Chick-fil-A tomorrow, all right? When you're about to go into this next phase of life, if I can just give you a little motivational sh like push here, is you need to be very fearful of falling in love with money. You need to be very fearful of falling more in love with money than falling more in love with Jesus. And when you take those next steps, I'm asking you to protect yourself. I'm not saying that you need to give all your money away. I'm not saying that you, that you need to go be poor the rest of your life. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you need to try to flee from every aspect of falling in love with money. It's going to allow yourself to be able to do the next steps of life a lot easier. But students, if we can kind of contextualize this for just a second, if I can try to just apply maybe just one or two wisdom points of just these, these 19 to 22 year olds 
in this room. I think there are some things that we need to flee from that has snared a lot of us, that has trapped you, that maybe has a hold on you, and maybe it's something that might not be bad, but it's something that you have made bad in your life. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's relationships. We're going to talk more about that next week. Who's coming next week, all right? Okay. All right. Crossover went on for a good four years, right? <laughs> Y'all are just so into this right now, right? See, being in a bad relationship, it's not necessarily, uh, being in a relationship is not necessarily bad until you make it bad. If you need to be in a relationship to find your worth, to find your happiness, to make you feel like you, need, like you mean something, that is a snare that the devil has laid for you, and you need to flee from it. You need to be able to go and fix some things in your life before you can even think about a relationship. We're going to talk about more about that over the next couple weeks. Now let me get a little bit more personal here. This is something I've only talked about twice in Crossover. Let's talk about drinking. I want to talk about more about this maybe later on down the road, but I think a lot of us, we tiptoe on top of that fence on whether we are doing drinking right or we are doing drinking wrong. See, is drinking unbiblical? I would say it's very hard to say that drinking is unbiblical when Jesus drank, right? But I would say that it becomes unbiblical when you make it unbiblical. If I could just name two things off the top of my head. First is, it's a sin if you're drinking under the age of 21. Because the Bible says to follow the laws of the land. Am I right? Everyone shake their head, yeah. All of you are like, oh. <laughs> Number two is this. Number two is a hard one for a lot of people to be able to grasp. Is being buzzed is being drunk. The Bible says, don't be drunk on strong drink, but fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. See, can you drink? Yes. But should you drink if every time you drink, you drink to at least fill something? Probably not. Should you drink if every time that you drink it's because you want to be able to feel something or you drink because you want to be able to drink so you can relax or is it because you want to drink because you want to get into a personality state that allows you to be free? It says don't get drunk on strong drink but to be able to fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. Are we drinking in order to fill that spot in our life where the Holy Spirit should be providing that source of power in our life? See, money might be something that I have seen ruin many families and marriages and jobs and characters and witnesses in this world, but alcohol is a very close second. See, the thing about being on the fence about something, and I've seen this a thousand times, when you're tiptoeing on the fence on whether, well, am I really sinning, am I really not, and if you tiptoe on that fence long enough, I'm telling you that you're always going to fall on the wrong side. 
and you will need to flee from it. Students, if you are tiptoeing on that fence, and you're like, well, I don't know if I drink right, I don't know if it's unbiblical, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, you need to be able to, to flee from it, and you need to be able to protect yourself from it. You need to be able to be the man of God that you need to be. You need to be able to be the woman of God that you need to be. You need to have the character of God that you need to have. But it's something that you need to protect yourself from. But see, Paul doesn't stop there. And I want to talk more about that later on this semester, so I'm going to leave you on a little cliffhanger right there. Is that okay? Everybody say amen. Still awake. But see, Paul doesn't stop there. He doesn't say just flee from all this mess and just live, does he? He doesn't just say flee from it and go. I think what I believe is that there's, this is where a lot of us have gotten stuck in our walk with Jesus is like we're all so fi- fixated on like what do I need to quit? Like I need to quit this. I need to quit porn. I need to quit all this. I need to, I need to quit treating people this way. I need to quit thinking this way. I think so many times we get stuck on what we need to quit. I think we're missing the other half of the equation here. Is Paul doesn't just say, like, just flee from something, but he then says that we need to pursue something. See, what does Paul spend more time on? Does he spend more time on, on what we need to flee from, or does he spend more time on the things that we should pursue? He says that we should pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness. See, he was illustrating fighting the good fight is not highlighted only by what you are fleeing from, but what you are fleeing to. See, Christianity isn't only about the discipline on on what you need to quit, but it's about what you need to pick up in its place. See, students, a lot of us have quit many things in our life. We have quit trying to do so many things in our life. We've tried to quit pornography. We've tried to quit treating people this way. We've tried to quit hanging out with these certain people. We've tried to quit many things always to come back to pick them right back up. See, a lot of us, we might have tried to quit so many things in our life. Maybe one of the things you tried to quit was having sex. And you did it for a while. You, you quit it and you try to walk away from it. But guess what? You didn't pick up what Paul says here. You didn't pick up faith that Jesus loves you. That Jesus cares for you. That you can find your identity in Jesus. And that he loves you so much. And it can empower you in such a way that you go and you share that love with somebody else who's going through that same walk in their life. Students, let me tell you a very big truth is that you can't quit sin without picking up Jesus. You can't let go of hate without picking up love. You can't quit living in depression without picking up the faith that Jesus has you right where he wants you and he can use you exactly where you are at in your life. You can't quit doing something that's unbiblical without hungering and thirsting for righteousness in your life. Fleeing is not only what you flee from, but also what you flee to. But the fight doesn't stop there. In verse 12, it's a very big verse that many of us have found. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life which you recalled and what you made the good confession 
And see, when I was looking at this and I was trying to study it and try to prepare this message for you guys, I started realizing um, that you could actually read this in two different ways. I think, I think Paul always has kind of some multiple um, illustrations that he can make with his wording. And I think the first and foremost way, he says, first you have to, f- you have to fight to have faith. Do you ever feel like you just got to fight to have faith in this world? See, this really rung my bell because Paul here is telling his church, it's one thing to go to church. It's one thing to sing songs. It's one thing to read your Bible. It's one thing to quit doing something and fleeing from it. But you have to fight to have faith. It's one thing to learn more about Jesus. It's another to build your faith in Jesus. See, this is where I think I have missed the mark in so many times in my life. Because when you fight for faith in Jesus, you lose control over what you think you need, and you trust that Jesus will provide it for you. Fighting to have faith requires surrender. And I just don't know if I was ever really able to fully surrender when I was your age. And I'm begging you if you want to be able to overcome a lot of heartache in your life and some struggles and float a little bit in and out of depression, you got to have to learn how to surrender everything to Jesus and let Him take control. It requires an identity change. See, I went to uh, a college up the road called OBU. Anybody know OBU? Come on now. Okay, awesome. And I went there for four years. Praise Jesus, all right? I went there for four years, and no one has asked me my GPA since. They just asked if I graduated. Does that give you all a little hope tonight, all right? You got that diploma. That's all that matters, all right? C's and D's might get you a degree, all right? Come on now. But anyways, um, I actually was called to the ministry at 17, but I ran from it for three to four years, all right? I accepted it about when I was 20 years old, and at that point, I started getting into some preaching classes, and I started getting some ministry classes, and the other thing I started doing was preaching at nursing homes because I loved them, and plus they couldn't really judge me for me not being that good of a speaker. They just loved that I was there, right? I I was a celebrity at all those nursing homes, right? They might not remember my name the next week, but they loved me when I was there. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Anyways, I moved to Dallas. I went to to seminary in, in Dallas. I worked at a church in Dallas, and and some of my friends from college actually came up about a year or two after I had moved down to Dallas and they were coming to hang out with me and my friends and we started to hang out and we kind of like just picked right back up where we left. And if I can be a little bit vulnerable, vulnerable with you, I started uh, joking the same way, I started talking the same way, and I probably was not, well I know I was not reflecting Uh, the person that I should have been reflecting. And one of my boys actually said something that rocked my face off. He told me, he said, look, here's Brent Russell. He's the same old Brent. He still acts the same. He still talks the same. And man, I was worried that when we came up here that you were going to be all holier than us. And I just kind of laughed, but I bowed my head because it rocked my face off. It wrecked me because I realized something is that 
I was fighting for grades and I was fighting for a job promotion and I was fighting to be better at the craft of preaching. I was fighting for everything, but I wasn't fighting for my faith in Jesus. I was going through the motions of life, but I wasn't surrendering myself every morning. I wasn't, I wasn't uh, falling on my face before Jesus and renewing my mind daily. I wasn't taking off my old self and putting on my new self in Jesus. I wasn't waging war against my flesh and surrendering to the faith in Jesus Christ. And with that, my friends didn't see someone walking in their faith, but they saw someone who was still walking in their flesh. You have to fight for your faith. You have to challenge yourself. You have to push yourself. You have to go in uncomfortable times. You have to learn how to be with Jesus and be like Jesus daily. The other way is I think we have to fight for our faith. We have to fight with faith. See, the devil, he's coming to steal, kill, and destroy in the greatest way and the greatest thing that he can do. The greatest way he can beat us is when we fight in our own strength. See, when the devil fights, he fights dirty. He goes after the one thing that that, that is the biggest thing for us. He's going to fight to destroy your faith. He fights to fill you with fear. He fights to tear you down brick by brick. He wants you to worry. He wants you to doubt. He uses other people to tear you down. He can use your boyfriend or girlfriend to tear you down. He can use other people to gossip about you and tear you down. He can use events around this world to tear you down. He can start talking into your ear. Anybody know this? He can start talking into your ear and say, you're not smart enough. You're not likable enough. You're not holy enough. You know, Jesus is mad at you for that. You know, Jesus is ashamed of you for that. Here's a good one. Hey, why don't you just do it tomorrow? Why don't you just read your Bible tomorrow? Why don't you go be nice to people tomorrow? What about those of us who walk in depression? You can't get out of this. Look, nothing's wrong with you. Why are you so so depressed? You're a loser. You should be ashamed of yourself. You're a Christian. See, students, don't get surprised that the devil doesn't fight fair. But this is how you fight with faith. It says that you take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you made a confession. And then it says to keep the commandment unstained and from reproach. Do you want to know why Michael Leon didn't come back the third day? Because he came back the second day from football practice. You want to know why he didn't come back the third day? The second day, I wasn't so lucky. Coach started making me run plays, and I couldn't hide behind the big lineman anymore. All right? And so I ran a play, and as soon as I got through, I didn't see Michael Leon there, but but he saw me, and then like I, I dropped the ball, and I looked up, and we locked eyes. And bro, like my heart started racing, and he did like one of those like you know like whatever fist pumping thing, and he's like, "You're going down after practice." And he sits down, like him and his posse, and he's like, and I'm like, I, I didn't even concentrate on practice anymore. I'm like, what's going on? And I'm nervous, and like I, I really am. I, I'm scared that I'm about to get beat up, and. Practice is just about to end, and I know that I'm about to just take my my licking, and I'm walking, and something changes. Do you want to know what changed? 
my daddy got off of work that day and he walked around the field house and I didn't see him. I was still scared of Michael Leon. And my dad always says, let me see a little hustle, Russell. And like, he's got like this strong preacher voice that everybody can hear, right? And my dad doesn't know what the situation is. He doesn't know what's going on. Now my dad is 6'1", and he was about 250 at the time. Brother can do some damage, all right? Like, I couldn't take my dad until, like, I was, like, 19, all right? My, my daddy can do some, some damage. But when he showed up, two things happened. My fear was gone, and Michael Leon became a little bit fearful. My dad, not knowing the events of that took place, he was just there to watch his son play. He sat down next to Michael Leon just to kind of start up a conversation. And he goes, you know Brent Russell? And like I asked my dad later on what they talked about. He's like, do you know Brent Russell? That's my son. You know, I really love him. I think that he's going to be a good football player. And he just kind of starts talking to Michael Leon. And guess what happened? Michael Leon never really bothered me after that day. Students, our faith does not mean everything is going to go perfect and easy. Our faith is, in fact, that no matter what happens in this earth, our Father who gives us life is there for us, who loves us no matter what we have done, who doesn't care what situation you've gotten yourself into. He wants you to grasp onto your eternity knowing that this world is not our home, but He is building into our eternity forever. And the best way for you to build into your eternity tomorrow is to trust in Him for your eternal plan today. You want to fight and fight the good fight. You need to align yourself with Jesus in such a way that every time that Satan tries to attack you, every time that he tries to come, every time that he uses other people, he has to go towards Jesus. And I promise you, and I promise you, and I promise you, is every time that he goes to Jesus and sees that Jesus is your Father that loves you, then he will not be able to snare you anymore. See, when he uses others to attack you, you can say, I'm not here to please man, but I'm, a, I'm here to please my Father in heaven. When he tries to use people to gossip and slander about you, you speak God's word over your situation saying, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom in heaven. What about when the devil's talking in your ear about those nasty little hateful things that seem so believable? Maybe you just need to sit down and be still and know that God is God in your world. Maybe you need to listen like Elijah when, when all the winds were coming, when all the earthquakes, earthquakes were happening, when all the fires were happening, and he was able to hear the still, small voice and whisper of God over everything that was going on in his situation. Students, when you hold on to the promise of the everlasting and you fight with your faith over your circumstances, Jesus will be glorified and I promise you the devil will flee. Students, as we close up here, we need to learn to fight the good fight of faith. You have to learn how, to, how and what to flee from. You need to see what in your life you're walking on the fence with. And you need to be able to turn away from it. You need to flee from it. You need to protect yourself from it. And then not only just quit doing something, but you need to pick up something. You need to pick up love. You need to pick up righteousness. You need to pick up more of Jesus. Because you can't quit sin unless you pick up 
Jesus. You've got to run away from it. Protect yourself. If He was willing to die for your eternity, it's only for, right, for us to surrender our all to Him and let Him show up and be the middle of our fights. And I'm telling you right now, the sooner that you can uh, learn to let Jesus fight your battles for you, that is when your faith is just going to explode. Let's pray. Jesus, thank You for You. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the truth. Let us learn how to fight right. Let us learn how to fight the good fight of faith. Let us be able to flee from the things we need to flee. Let us be able to pursue the things that we need to pursue. And Lord, let us hold on to such a faith that we know how to fight, that we know how to grow, that we know how to lean. And Lord, let us just be able to more and more every single day look more like You and less like us. Lord, at the end of the day, our faith is simply this, is that this world is not our home and our faith is that our home is in, in heaven where we're going to spend eternity. But while we are here on this earth, we know that you're going to take care of us. We know that, that you are going to provide uh, a place. You know, we know that you're going to provide protection. We know that you're going to provide many things in our life because you are God and we are not. Let us not fall into the snares and the traps of the devil, but let us be able to pursue everything that you want us to pursue. Lord, let, just make the burdens light in this room. Lord, some of us are dealing with something right now, and I beg, I beg, I beg that they come and talk to the prayer team about it. I beg that they come and lay it down at the feet of Jesus. Maybe they just need to come and pray at this altar at the very front of the room and just be able to say, you know what, Jesus, today I'm going to make a stand. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flee from this, but I'm going to pursue this. Today is a new day. Today is a, a new year, and I'm tired of walking this way, and I want to start walking that way. Maybe for some of us tonight, we have never put our faith in the fact that you are the son of the living God. And maybe, maybe Kobe's death actually did shake us up because we're like, if we were to go stand toe-to-toe, face-to-face with you, Jesus, today, and you asked me this very hard question, why should I let you into my heaven? I just don't know if I know the answer to that. My prayer is this, that you will be able to look at Jesus and say, you know what, your word says, that if I trust that you are the son of the living God and you died for my sins and then that you rose again to conquer those sins, that I would have life and have it abundantly. I beg that some of y'all today would be able to do that and make your faith in Jesus start today. Because without Jesus, there's nothing. Or be with us.